where is our hope found? Where is our joy rooted? Because when we anchor our hope, our peace, our joy in Christ, then though we will endure trials, we know ultimately there will be victory through Him so we can bear through those because we have Christ. Welcome to the Mama Bear Apologetics Podcast. A podcast where we teach you to roar like a mother. And by roar, we mean recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach, and reinforce these ideas with your kids. Unless you want to growl around your house. I mean, that's cool too. <laughs> You're like, check it, we keep it reals. <laughs> that's so bad. You're awesome. Mama Bear Apologetics is a listener-supported program, so if you like what we do, head on over to the Mama Bear Apologetics website and click support. It's time to rise up, ladies. Rise up, Mama Bears. This might not affect your faith, but it might affect your children's. Hey everyone, welcome to another Mama Bear Apologetics podcast, a podcast dedicated to help you raise up the next generation to be warriors in the faith. Now, you've been joining us throughout this wonderful Advent season, and one thing that always comes to mind during Christmas is the word joy. Now, our TV would love to convince us that Christmas joy is based around hot chocolate and presents or Hallmark movie marathons, but can I just say, thank goodness that we have Christ to base our joy off and not in, you know, saving the town bakery or reconnecting with that old high school flame. We have something so much greater greater, and it is Jesus. Now, for today's podcast, we are going to, of course, look back at one amazing carol that really encapsulates joy, which I'm pretty sure you all are capable of guessing at this point, but I'll keep you in suspense for just a little longer. And we're also going to round out with some practical tips for how you can nurture joy within your home during this Christmas season. Now, without further ado, our carol this week is, of course, Joy to the World. Now, Joy to the World was written in 1719 by Isaac Watts after meditating on Psalm 98. And if you have not dove into Psalms recently, oh my gosh, going from Psalms 90 to 100 is absolutely fantastic, especially this time of year, because they are all based around the concept of joy. In fact, they are my favorite grouping of Psalms, hand down. So if you haven't read those, just a little challenge from Amy here to dive into those because they're wonderful. And now Psalm 98 specifically is a song of joy and victory because God is victorious over evil. Now, what's awesome about this carol is this actually was never written for Christmas. This was just written as a, like I said, meditation on Psalm 98. And it's actually about the second coming of Christ. It's not about his birth in general. So why in the world do we sing this at Christmas time? Well, I don't know that you can actually meditate on the birth of Christ without also joyfully knowing about his second coming and all the promises that he is going to eventually fulfill when he returns. And plus just the tune, it just goes so well. So it's a beautiful psalm. It's a beautiful carol to be singing this time of year because not only are we celebrating the birth of Christ, we're also joyfully looking forward to his return and the ultimate work he's going to do on this earth in restoring it to how it was supposed to be. 
In fact, one of the one of the best ways that I've heard it summed up was by Alyssa Poblet or Poblet. Please forgive me, Alyssa, for messing up your last name. But she writes that this song is all about the fulfillment of what Christ came to do in the first place. Christmas is not only a time to look back at the grace accomplished in the past. Christmas is also a time to look forward to the grace that w- is accomplished for the future. For when we sing these words, we proclaim the ultimate joy to be revealed. This is why we can sing joy to the world at Christmas time. And I don't know about you, but this is just one of my favorite songs to sing during Christmas. So let's dive into the first verse. Here we go. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing. Lord, help me. I'm not going to sing this last little bit for your sake, but let heaven and heaven and nature sing. So let earth receive her king. Now, oftentimes we can become a little confused because when we think of that, we think, well, wait a second, isn't Satan the ruler of this world? Yes, he is. However, we should think of it in sort of the same lines as when we look in the book Chronicles of Narnia, we see that the white witch was ruling over Narnia. However, it was never hers to begin with. And her rule was only temporary because she kind of invaded and took over. And so actually what it is, while Satan is called the ruler of this world, Jesus is the king of this world. And he is eventually going to come back and restore it. So when we heard last week about the earth pining for Christ, and now he's here and we can rejoice. This is that rejoicing for when his second coming actually occurs. Oh my gosh, we uh, everything is going to be crying out in joy because now there is the ultimate restoration that is to come. In fact, in Colossians 1.13, we read, He, God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his his beloved son. And we can even think back to, oh, holy night. Remember the joy that came from that holy night? It was in its passing. It was in the coming of the dawn, the day spring that is Jesus in his coming. And not only are we blessed with his coming of his birth, we will ultimately be blessed with his second coming when everything will be restored. Now, the second part of this first verse is, let every heart prepare him room. So now the heart, whenever the Bible refers to the heart, which I believe happens in upwards of 1,000 times, this is referring to the motivation, the will, and the desire of each human being. That is why we're told to guard our hearts, because our hearts ultimately uh, will will alter our motivations. It will warp our desires. It will shape our will. In fact, when we look at spiritual armor, we have that breastplate of righteousness that is meant to protect the heart, ultimately the will of the individual. Now, our hearts can be hardened against God as we see within Pharaoh, and only God can renew our hearts. And so when we're called to let every heart make room, this is a challenge for us to take a little bit of reflection and say, okay, what what now is ruling over our hearts? What is the center of our hearts right now? In fact, in First Chronicles 29, 18 through 19, we see, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. Grant to Solomon, my son, a whole heart that he may keep his commandments, excuse me, keep your commandments, your testimonies and your statutes, performing all, and that he may build the palace for which I have made provision." 
So in 1 Chronicles 29, 18 through 19, we see David praying over Solomon that he will keep the statutes and remain wholeheartedly devoted to God. And what this is talking about is having our hearts focused toward him. Because when we are devoted and focused toward him, then we're not only going to be able to see when falsehoods are coming at us, we're going to be able to protect ourselves and those around us better by leaning ultimately on Christ. And this is really important because what this means is not only are we to make room for Christ within our own hearts. It means we got to clear out some of that clutter, that crud that is creeping into our heart and taking up space that is meant only for him. Kind of think of this as like a spiritual Marie Kondo to where we need to take inventory and see, wait a second, we need to be making sure that Christ is ultimately our focus. What now is shaping our desires and our wills? Is it influences that we're consuming on social media or TV? Is it a divided focus? I mean, David was praying over his son to be wholeheartedly focused on God. And I mean, what is our focus right now? Is our focus on families or our jobs? Is it on these meaningless distractions that are around us? Do we need to reorient ourselves back on Christ? I mean, when we look at the story of Peter, walking on water, you know, we need to make sure that our focus isn't so distracted on the waves that we miss the one who walked upon them, as we mentioned last week. And so this challenge, let every heart make them room for one, recognizes that we need to keep our hearts in check. And two, that we need to, that we willingly submit to God. And we need to make sure that we are submitting and fully accepting Christ and allowing him to work in our lives rather than pushing him out. So this first verse is not only this cry of joy, it is also a reminder that the earth, all of it, all of creation belongs to God, and that we, as God's people, as His image bearers, we need to make sure that we keep our hearts in check during not only this time of season, but all year round, to make sure that we are not allowing worldly influences to create clutter and clogs in our own hearts, and instead devote ourselves wholeheartedly to God. Now, verses two and three, I'm going to read together because they actually go really well together. And the funny thing is, is more often than not, you are not going to hear verse three. A lot of times this is opted out. This verse is opted out in many church settings. In fact, traditionally it was left out because some people thought that the tune being upbeat and kind of crazy when it's referring to the curse on this earth, it people thought it was just said in too lighthearted of a manner. So oftentimes they don't sing verse three. But when you actually tie verse two and three together, you get a beautiful picture of what God is going to do. So I'm going to read these two verses together and then we're going to unpack them. So check it out. Verse two, joy to the earth, the savior reigns. Let all her songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. So what this is referring to is this is all about the new earth and how it will be restored. In fact, when we look at verse two, you know, the Savior reigns. All of the earth is crying out. So look at the, listen to this. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, they are shouting out to the glory and joy of God. I can't imagine when Christ comes back, what that is going to look like. I try to, and I I fail every single time to think that when we look at these passages, not only in scripture, and we read these, these songs that were written by godly men, we see that the earth, every ounce of it is going to be crying out worship to God. And can you imagine how incredible that's going to be? I mean, just to hear the songs, 
you know, we, we've heard often in, within scripture and even um, astronomy, they, they have found that there's tones that are emitted even within space, that different astral bodies are emitting notes that are often too low or too high for the human ear to hear, but there are, there's music within the spheres. And to think that every ounce of creation when he comes back is going to be crying out to the glory of God, gosh, there is just nothing more humbling than that to know that he's just in complete control. And that's what's so amazing about these two verses is we see that the earth is crying out and it's crying out. Why? Because it's freed from the curse that has been brought from the fall of man. And so look at verse three, no more let sins and sorrows grow. It's interesting that we think of growing because this is directly tied to Genesis 3, 17 through 19, specifically the curse that is brought about on Adam and what's going to happen. It says that when Adam sinned and rebelled, what happened is now the ground is cursed and it will bring forth not no longer fruits, but thorns and thistles. And here we're saying that sins and sorrows are being used as a reference to sort of the thorns and thistles brought about by the curse and the fall and our disobedience way back when. And yet it's crying out, the earth is crying out in glory because no more are sins and sorrows going to grow, not only in us, but in the earth, the curse is broken. It says, he comes to make his blessings flow, flow like water, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, every ounce of earth is going to be touched by the restoration of Christ. And it's going to be beautiful. That curse is going to be lifted. I mean, when we think of Sleeping Beauty. Remember how the kingdom within Sleeping Beauty was completely overgrown by thistles and thorns. It was completely taken over and then it was wiped away when the curse was broken. That's what we see happening in reality that's going to happen with this earth. It's absolutely wonderful. We are now going to be restored. Our earth is going to be restored to the state that it was back when Eden, when God walked with man in Eden. And that's why it cries out to the glory of God. So those two passages are absolutely beautiful because it shows the earth's bondage, but the joy in being released from that bondage. And it's not only for the earth, it's for his inhabitants as well, God's inhabitants as well, us. Now, verse four, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love. Now, what's interesting within this passage is first it talks about the way God rules and his nature. So it's truth and grace. It is salt and grace that we see in Colossians 4, 6. It is that balance of justice and love, of mercy and truth. And that's what we need because when you do not have truth, you don't have love. When you do not have truth, you do not have justice. And this is how the earth is ruled. And he goes, and it makes the nations prove. So the nations are going to prove the glories of God's righteousness. And this is a reference to Psalms 98, passages two through three, verses two through three. It says, the Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Absolutely wonderful. This proving of the nations happened not only with Christ's crucifixion and resurrection from the dead, it's also going to happen with Christ's second return. Because again, every knee shall bow. Every knee will cry out. Every voice will cry out to the glory and the truth that is God. And how does that happen? By him coming back and him 
proving his nature over and again. It's absolutely wonderful. And that's why the nations are going to affirm his glories. It happens not only at his birth in the fulfilling of prophecy happening hundreds and hundreds of years before his uh, birth actually happened. Within Isaiah, there were 700 years between the prophecies of Isaiah to his birth. It also happened with his resurrection and him throwing off the grave. And it's also going to happen when he comes back eventually and restores this earth. That is where our joy is found. That is why we cry out joy to the world. That is why we even praise his second coming at Christmas time, because we know that with his birth, with his death, there will ultimately be his second coming, and we will all be reunited once again with Christ. So how now do we nurture joy within the season? So I've got a couple tips for you. And they may sound a little strange at first, but let me explain. So what do I want to encourage you to do, and we're including the links as well, is to first watch the interview, the short interview with OU Girls Softball Team. Now, the OU Girls Softball Team, they won their championship, and they were asked by a reporter, you know, there's so many trials that come with being, you know, the wins and the losses that come with this game. How do you keep your joy? Which is pretty interesting that he even used the word joy. He says, how do you keep your joy in the midst of all these trials and losses? And what these girls did is they said, well, it's easy. We do not base our joy in our wins or in our losses or our performance. Our joy is based in Christ. Whatever happens, happens. And we're grateful when we win. But ultimately, our joy is found in the Lord. And it was amazing because this interview, you would think that on ESPN, this would have been shut down immediately, but this was broadcasted live. And each of these girls in front of reporters and millions on ESPN gave a beautiful testimony to the joy found only in Christ. So first, watch that clip. Second, Watch How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Now, my vote is for the newest one with Benedict Cumberbatch voicing the Grinch because I think this is the sweetest of all of them. Uh, I, I just love this, this film. But what you also see is an attack on joy. See, if you are familiar with the story, you know that the Grinch is just completely frustrated by the joy that the Who's have. And he thinks that if he steals Christmas, meaning he steals all of the ornaments, the decorations, the cookies, and the presents, that the Who's are just going to be completely devastated and they're not going to be happy and upbeat and joyful this Christmas season. Well, what happens? He steals all the presents. And what do the Who's do? They gather in the center of town and sing a carol and are so joyful in being together. And the Grinch realizes that the joy wasn't found in presence. No, that was just happiness. That's just superficial, very short-lived excitement. No, true joy is in love, is in family. And it's fantastic that when you look at not only the OU testimony, but also when the Grinch stole Christmas, you can actually point out to your kids, wait a second, where is true joy actually found? It wasn't in the presence. Where do we have true joy found? It's found in Christ. Two just really fun ways to be able to point out joy to your kids this Christmas. And it even shows, especially with how the Grinch stole Christmas, is we can keep our joy even in the midst of sorrow. Now, I'm grateful that I'm recording this podcast when I did because God is just so awesome how he worked. Our church did a wonderful sermon on joy and how oftentimes this time of year, we hyper-focus on joy. Oh, you just got to feel this joyful season that we forget that oftentimes the holidays can bring up very real grief, especially if you've experienced a loss, as our pastor shared, this season. 
And so what he encouraged is that, okay, when we're focusing on joy, we can't also forget grief and that grief is also a proper time during this time of year too. And to not treat this superficially, to not rush somebody through grief, but instead just to sit with them and to love them. So we encourage watching. We encourage watching the testimony of those OU girls and on the Grinch Stole Christmas. We also want to encourage respect as well respect of people who are potentially grieving, and to also remind those of you who potentially are grieving yourselves during this season, whether there's a separation, a loss, a struggle that's going on in your home, that it is okay to grieve. It is good and healthy to grieve. But remember and encourage, we just want to offer this encouragement is that our hope is in Christ. And while you are grieving, know that time will pass and that ultimately we will be with our Savior who will wipe away every tear and we can have joy in that. But we also want to encourage to reflect as well. So we got watch, respect, and reflect. So just as there can be a time of grief, there can also be times in our lives where we allow ourselves to give up our joy and instead take on sort of these negative attitudes of the world because we are basing our joy in superficial earthly things. So just as we are watching and taking opportunities to point out and recognize themes of joy within movies and testimonies, and just like we were respecting those who are also grieving, we also want to reflect on our own lives and say, is there a time right now where I am allowing my joy to be taken by something and replaced by something that shouldn't? Am I allowing my heart to have that that spiritual clutter? So, When we're doing this, we want to reflect and say, okay, wait, am I getting worked up about something that I shouldn't? Am I allowing a political stance, a belief system? Am I allowing a tension with a friend, a family member, a coworker, a neighbor to harden my own heart, to cut off my witness to that individual, or to kind of steal my view of what Christ is doing and what he will do and what he will fulfill? And if there are things in your life that are doing this, instead, what do we need to do? We need to fall back on the truths of God, those foundational truths. In fact, when you read through not only Psalms, Proverbs, uh, Job, Habakkuk, what you see consistently is when people are going through trials, God always reminds them of his nature and who he is. So perhaps if you are allowing your joy to be stolen at this moment or distracted by something going on, you need to remind yourself of a core thing of what God, a core aspect of God's nature. Who is he? What has he proven? What has he shown himself to be? And encourage this with your children as well. Are you getting worked up about something? Is there something that's causing you pain or grief or anxiety? Okay, we rightly grieve at those moments, but then we also nurture and point back to where is our hope found? Where is our joy rooted? Because when we anchor our hope, our peace, our joy in Christ, then though we will endure trials, we know ultimately there will be victory through him so we can bear through those because we have Christ. So mamas, papas, thank you for joining for another just quick look at this wonderful carol, Joy to the World, as we celebrate Advent and remind ourselves and our children that our joy is rooted in Christ and we give glory to Him. Join next week for our last podcast on uh, w- on this next Christmas carol that we're going to cover, which I will not reveal just for fun and mystery that you can look forward to next time. This has been a Mama Bear Apologetics recording. To learn more about Mama Bear Apologetics, please visit us on the web at www.mamabearapologetics.com. 
We hope you learned a little more about how to sift through ideas, accept the good, reject the bad, and now you can go teach your kids to do the same. Do you have any questions or maybe some ideas about future podcast episodes? Send us an email to askthemamabears at gmail.com and we'll do our best. Rise up, ladies. Rise up, mama bears. We are all in this together.